It's a section of scripture where Jesus is essentially correcting uh, the vision of what people thought was uh, religious uh, thinking at the time. He said, you've heard it said X. I've got a new set of glasses for you, but I say this to clear things up a little bit. And so we've gone through uh, a bunch of them. And uh, on this uh, time, we're on uh, truth, on lying. What does Jesus have to say about lying? I don't know if they got, once you go to that next slide. Did you guys, I don't know if you guys saw the season premiere of this show on, um, I forget it when it was. It was after American Idol. That's why I know it was on. So the premise of the show, it's called The Moment of Truth. And the premise of the show is they ask you a series of questions. You're hooked up to a lie detector test little lie detector thing, and they're pretty tough questions. And your incentive for answering truthfully is cash. I mean, isn't that what it should be, really, to answer? Shouldn't it be money that really gets us to do the right thing? So so uh, they get this guy in there, and to be honest, I don't think I'll ever watch the show again. It was just way too painful and, uh, and, and slow. Um, but... Uh, and no car wrecks, so I don't watch those shows. But essentially, they start with these easy questions, and they get six. And if you answer them all truthfully, then you get you get uh, ten grand. And then they have four that are harder, and they they get they get pretty brutal. And the question the guy asks in the beginning is, "Is there an honest person in America?" And so you answer these questions, and you have to make the decision: Do I want the money? Which is, which is more valuable to me, the money or the damage my truthful answer is going to do? That's what it comes down to, really. You have to weigh, is answering this correctly really worth $100,000? And Jesus says, absolutely. But don't go on the show. That's what Jesus would say. If you're stupid enough to go on the show, I can't help you. Okay? So... Um, is there an honest person in America? It's a great question. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. And we're going to do an a introduction and then um, go through three, three brief points. Um, really, the third one isn't a point, but a question, which we hopefully will answer. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. Is it oaths or oaths? Oaths. Keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. I wish I could do that, because a lot of them are going white. Here's what he says. Here's, he sums it up this way. Simply, simply, I love Jesus. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Again, Jesus is addressing the teaching that these people have had for a long time. Okay, we talked about how they, they, they couldn't read the scriptures for themselves at this time. They've lost their language, the language of the scriptures. And so the Pharisees, the rabbis, they've all got together with this rabbinic code, these different things that sound really great, but in fact is not scripture. Now, it might be based in scripture. You know, do not lie. That is a, that is a, 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 a commandment. But then they go through all these different things. And if you look at what they say here... 
Jesus says, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. See, they had all these different ways of being able to get around the truth. And I would say that today we are no different as a society. We have all sorts of different ways. I mean, I, I, one of the frustrating things about a scripture like this is I, I was telling Lisa, you, you, some of the scriptures you get to and you go, yeah, that's pretty much right there. I don't know what, how, what to add. You know, let's all go home. Everyone's like, yeah. Nope, I added some stuff. So we're going to go back. But they, they, they do all these different things. If you swear by the temple... Um, you can get out of it. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, then that's kind of more serious. And so Jesus addresses those things, and he's addressing those now. In the 16th and uh, 17th centuries, the Jesuits had a couple different ways to get around truth. Uh, One was called mental reservation. And what they would do is, um, and we do this as well. It's basically my fingers were crossed. It's the same type of thing. So you'd say, you know, did you kill that person? And you'd say, I did not kill that person. But then in your mind, you'd add something like, with a frozen fish. Like, like you'd add a fact that wasn't right, and so you could get out of it. It was called mental reservation. You'd, you wouldn't say it, you just think, I did not kill that person with a frozen fish, right? Sure, I'll, I'll come, you know, yes, no, I'll do that. Had my fingers crossed, same type of thing. The other one is equivocation. And that is, you say something, but it could mean something else. Like, no, I did not sleep with that person. Okay, that can mean two different things. And you're picking in your mind the one you want it to. I did not fall asleep with that person. <laughs> right? And so you could just honestly say it. Now, it's, it's coming at a great time, this sermon, because we're in the midst of a political campaign. And so, I mean, the whole point of the campaign is... You're lying. No, you're lying. Because not everyone can be right. I mean, these statements come out that are opposed to each other. And so somebody's lying or they're deceiving or trying to bend the truth. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on politically. Guilty is charged, right? So I, I was thinking about some of the different ways we lie today. And maybe we don't call it lying. Maybe we call it, well, I just didn't, t- you know, tell, give all the information. But some of the things we say are, uh, you know, I don't recall. I don't recall. You mean you don't recall, you don't remember, or you just are choosing not to recall right now? No, I don't recall. It's a principle of mine. I don't recall, right? I'll be there in about 15 minutes. I'll be there in about 15 minutes. And you know, you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and you just left, and it's an hour away. But you can't stand the pain of saying, I didn't get ready on time. It's going to be an hour. right?" So we say, we'll be there in 15 minutes. Joking around too much. You ever have those friends that they're constantly joking, constantly joking, and finally they just have no integrity. You just don't believe anything they say. It's like the boy who cried wolf, which is a great story because he gets eaten, which is just... I love some of these children's stories. He got eaten by a wolf. That's... I mean, think about that. That's disgusting. Uh... Here's a, here's a lie we do all the time. In sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, till death do us part. That's a big lie. Till death do us part? Well, death or... If he doesn't pick up his underwear. Which is kind of like death, right? <laughs> right? He's not in the office right now. That was one. 
He's not in the office right now. That's a, that's that's in offices all over. I um, Lisa said, "Don't tell him this. I can't help it. I, I have to be transparent." One of the things I did with a secretary uh, that I had um, uh, in my previous job uh, at the Crystal Cathedral was, I would um, was I'm like, "You can't lie. You can't say I'm not in the office when I'm not in the office." So here's what you can do: if it comes to it and you just can't get on the phone, close your eyes and say. You know, I don't see him right now. <laughs> you just, you're on the phone, you're on the phone, hold on one second. You know, I don't see him right now. Yeah, I don't see him at all. Can he call you back, right? We're going to, it is great, but we're going to learn why that was bad, okay? So, shame on John, right? Uh, now's not a good time financially. That's a, that's a good one when someone's asking for money. Uh, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. Sometimes silence is a form of deception and lying. You know, have you ever, kids, you ever been in class and the teacher's like, oh, we're going to stand here until somebody comes forward of who did this, who put the tack on my chair, right? Well, I'm going to stand here, and by not coming forward, you're saying, I didn't do it, essentially. Here's one. Uh, that's uh, one that's very close to me uh, on deception. Let's just change the names so that no one gets their feelings hurt. Let's say there's a Pastor Joe and his wife Lacey from some church in like Anaheim area, you know, okay? And so Lacey goes shopping at the store and Pastor Joe asks Lacey, how much did you spend? Right? A very easy question to answer. The receipt is still burning a hole in Lacey's pocketbook. And Lacey responds, Oh, I got a great deal. It was 55% off. Did she answer the question? Should Lacey be excommunicated from the church? Okay. A little deception. Another thing we do, you're at work, and your boss comes up and says, hey, did you do that report? The answer is, no, I didn't, but I have every intention of doing it right away. So you say, yeah, it'll be on your desk in 10 minutes. And then you quickly run to the computer and try and type up the report. Telling stories, exaggerating, we do it all the time, all the time. And if you begin to really monitor your speech and look at your life and how you talk and how we communicate, how you answer questions, you'll see... That this is something we need to really look out for. Maybe we don't tell out-and-out lies. You know, we don't make up these horrible stories. But if we are going to be people who check our heart, because remember, through this whole series, this is what Jesus is saying. I don't care about your loopholes. How you get around this and how you get around that and everybody's doing it. No, well, they know that. I care about your heart. I want truth in your inmost parts, it says in Psalms. God desires truth in our inmost parts, from the very core of who we are. In uh, Proverbs chapter 17, it says this, Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. And that's how God sees us, as children of a king. Princes and princesses. Yeah, princes and princesses. Princesses. Yeah, princesses. 
You're either a prince or a princess, okay? That's what it comes down to. So Jesus says, he, he goes on, and we'll read this in Matthew chapter 23 again, so I don't want to get too much into it. But he says, woe to you, you blind guides. He tells the Pharisees, they're blind leading the blind. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, he's bound by his oath. He goes on. God's what makes your speech sanctified. It's not, I swear, I promise, I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Right? Thou, he's serious. He's going to stick a needle in his eye. If I've never seen anyone follow through with that. Ever. I've never, I've, do you know anyone who stuck a needle in their eye? Oh, that would be awesome. Alright. The first thing we want to see, God demands integrity. That's our first point. God demands integrity. It's the core of who he is. Exodus 34. I want to read this to you real quick. It's Moses. He wants to see God. And so God says, I'll let you see me, but just for a second, and you can just see my back. And he goes on, and it says in um, it says in, uh, uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 34, let's see, let's start in verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. So this is God speaking about God. This is God describing himself, okay? In other words, he says, I'm here. Okay? And here's how God describes God. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. Oh. Oh, don't you aren't you thankful that that's the first word God uses when he describes himself? Not, I'm really upset right now. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Wow. The Lord... The Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. I want you to hold on to that description because we're going to hit it right at the very end. But I wanted to get it early so we could see what this means. God demands integrity. It's who he is. It's the core of who God is. Truth. Truthfulness. So Jesus, we hear from this from the Son. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Listen to this. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Anything beyond total truthfulness comes from the evil one. That's a pretty... Can we just erase that part? I can understand the yes and yes and no and no, but man, that's tough. Because here, here's what Jesus is saying. In Matthew chapter 15, the Pharisees come and say, why don't you wash your hands before you eat? Right? And Jesus kind of goes off on them a little bit, and the disciples go, man, that was a pretty tough... You just, you just really upset them. Jesus says, listen, and understand, he says this to the crowd. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. What comes out of his mouth, 
truth is the language of the believer. Truth is the language of the believer. We hear from from uh, Satan that he's the father of what? He's the father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. The native tongue to the believer should be truth. Sometimes it's difficult. Jesus says to the disciples, are you still so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters a man's stomach, uh, enters a man's mouth, goes into his stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of his mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery. Isn't it funny? We've been talking about these very same things in this, in this list. Uh, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. God demands integrity, and Jesus is talking about that here. So the Son, Jesus the Son talks that God demands integrity. The Father's already talked about it. He read the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. But in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, I put both up here. Actually, go to the next one, too. One's New American Standard and one's uh, um, the NIV. New American Standard says it this way, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Man, what a, what a, like a dichotomy, or a, uh, two things that are opposite of each other. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. New, uh, NIV says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. I want to please the Lord. Speak the truth. I, 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 want the, I want to delight the Lord. Speak things that are truthful. So the Father wants truth. The Spirit demands truth and integrity. Ananias and Sapphira. You guys know that story? It's in Acts. The church is just starting up. And everybody's going to the disciples and just laying gifts down at their feet to be used for the kingdom of God. Just a big time of giving. And so Ananias and Sapphira have this... Um, property that they own. It was just over here in... No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's just a, it was a piece of property and they sold it and they gave part of the money to the disciples, which was fine. God didn't demand that they give everything. But their problem was they made it look like that was the entire amount. See, God didn't care that he didn't get the whole amount, but they made it appear like he did. And so here's what... Um, so... Basically, first Ananias, the husband, comes in, and he's like, here's the money. And Peter says, what, what are you doing this for? You, you, could, you, you didn't have to make this up. You didn't have to deceive. So you're going to die right now. Bam, dead. Just like that. Praise God that that is not like his normal course of action in my life, right? Because I'd need to be a cat with like a thousand lives. So he dies. So then his wife comes and Peter asks her a question. He says, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. And here's what Peter says. It's very important. Put it up there. Good. Yeah. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? When you just lied, you just lied to God. It says, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Nice. The Lord detests lying lips. And then you go, well, yeah, but John, that doesn't happen today. 
No, I've never seen it happen. But I wonder if God holds us accountable to our speech sometimes, and we just think it was just, oh man, bad luck. And the Lord's like, no, I think you're going to feel the pain of that one. I don't know. Paul also said it as well. God demands integrity. Ephesians 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Dishonesty, uh, lying, um, telling half-truths, deceiving, when it happens in the church, it's especially demonic. Because the enemy is just looking for a way to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. You know that verse that says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Deceitfulness and dishonesty in the church is a foothold for Satan to use to come in and do uh, what he can. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. When we lie to somebody, we're lying to ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting the body of Christ. Even though it seems like we're getting away with something, it hurts. God demands integrity. Secondly, our ministry relies on integrity. Our ability to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ is dependent on our ability to bring truth. Not only the truth of the gospel, but truth in the workplace and in, the, in school and all these different things. See, one of the things when Peter... Peter's a good example of what happened. When, when Peter denied Jesus... Um, I think you brought that up in your sermon. Uh, but he shows up. Jesus is on trial and Peter shows up. And a little servant girl... I think that's what it was. You talked about the servant girl. Okay. You don't even remember your own sermon, do you? Okay. So... Uh, I don't remember any of mine either, so don't worry about it. So this servant girl comes up to Peter and says, Hey, you were with Jesus too. And Peter lies. He says, No, I, no, I wasn't. Then someone else comes up to him. And this time he takes an oath. He says this, But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to uh, the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. I cross my heart, hope to die on the grave of my mother. I don't know the man. Whatever oath was popular at the time. I don't know the man. After a while, those standing went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them. Again, this doesn't mean he starts just like <laughs> dropping all sorts of cuss words. He's ba basically saying, If I'm lying, may God curse me. This was another uh, form of oath that was very common in those days. May God strike me dead if I'm lying. And God didn't strike him dead. Isn't that funny? God struck Ananias and Sapphira dead, but didn't strike Peter dead. Well, what happens? Immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken outside and wept bitterly. Peter lost an opportunity to minister. You realize that? He didn't just lie. He, he missed an opportunity to declare boldly, yes, I know Jesus. The Spirit of God gives us these opportunities all day long. And sometimes we... And I realize that a lot of times, at least in my own life, I just don't want to go... Oh, yes, I know Jesus, and you're going to hell. I you know, megaphone or whatever. There is a thing of navigating to the Greek to be a Greek and to the Jew to be a Jew, but sometimes we deny him and we miss an opportunity 
to minister. He blew that because he didn't have integrity to stand up and say, yes, I know him. I followed him. He changed my life. Peter goes on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. This is the life change that Peter had after he wept bitterly and then was restored by God. Oh, I thank you. If there's a story you should read, it's at the end of John where Peter gets restored by Jesus and asks him just as many times as Jesus denied him, do you love me? Great, great story. So Jesus, Peter gets restored and he writes 1 Peter. And it says this, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. These aren't just deeds of feeding the poor. These are deeds of speaking the truth. As you're in your workplace and you're known or at school as someone who will always be honest, people see that. They recognize it. They glorify God because of it. Man, yeah, that guy is a solid guy, solid girl. Like I was saying, honesty is a refreshing form of communication for the believer. In Proverbs, it says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. <laughs> I love that description because depending on how you look at a kiss on the lips, it still applies, right? It could be shocking, like, what? Yeah, right? Sometimes an honest answer is like, whoa, okay, <laughs> got it. Too much information. Didn't need to hear that. Other times it's like, man, thank you so much for saying that. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Man, how quickly can we destroy our witness by telling just one lie? You know how hard it is to get that back? It's like putting toothpaste back in the toothpaste thing. It just comes out, bleh, and then, oh man, yeah, I'm really sorry. Can totally destroy our witness. One of the ways also our ministry relies on integrity is being chosen for service. If, if, if you're not a trustworthy person, if, I'm not, if I can't be trusted, I, I can't be placed into... It, it's, it's, it's irresponsible for church leadership to put a dishonest person in charge of something. When Moses uh, was leading the people through uh, the desert, he was taking on everybody's problems. They come we with the littlest things, you know. He took my, you know, camel bridle or whatever. They would, you know, no, no, it's mine. They come to Moses. Moses would judge. It might even be something serious, but every little thing. So Moses's father-in-law comes to him and says, "You can't do this. You need to get some people to help you." And here's here's the qualifications. First, they need to be taught in, in Exodus 18, verse 20. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. These need to be godly people. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men. Trustworthy men. If we're not trustworthy, by default, we lose opportunities to minister and to see God work. We have to be trustworthy. And so it goes on. And if you look, I think I put up there Exodus 22, uh, Exodus 18, 22. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. That's a beautiful word picture there. 
Moses, oh, Moses gets a break. He's not going to get burned out because there's other people who are trustworthy that raise up. You and I are those people. We can't just have a few people doing everything. We need to be trustworthy so we can be used for ministry. And if you look at Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Look at the end of that section and the beginning of that section. Speak the truth in love so that we can get some work done. If we don't do that, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're worried about how we answer, we won't be able to get as much work done for the kingdom. It's very important. Jesus says, look, simply, simply, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Very simple. So how do we do this? How do we establish a life of integrity? I have five things down here. There's more. But um, uh, these are five things that have really helped me. Because uh, I was a liar. It's one of the things I was, even after I came to Christ, I would make up stories. I, w- I was a liar. I, I, even when I, my freshman year in college is when the Lord delivered me from it. But um, I met my friend Don, uh, who we've been friends ever since. And I, he would ask me about, you know, where I was from. And I'd tell him. And then I'd make up some story about how I was in some fight. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing to even, like, admit that you made up a story about being in a fight. Like, a, like yeah, and so then this guy, you know, pulled a knife on me. And I, you know, I mean, it's just so horrible. So I, I told these lies. I'd tell Lisa lies because we dated before you know i'd make up stories like yeah i was on my way home and this happened you know what in the world you guys are going man i've taken notes at your sermons before were you lying then no i wasn't no so so this is kind of coming out of how i established integrity in my own life and again i'm still tempted as anyone else is but um uh so here we go First, correct past failures. This is very, very difficult. This is the most difficult part of the whole thing. The worst part about telling a lie was, as the Lord was dealing with me in this, I had to go back and tell the people that I lied. So here now I've got this friend, Don, who we were becoming really close friends, and I had to go, yeah, that story about me being in a fight... Totally fabricated, made it up. Yep, there was no knife. There was no guy. There was no alley. Uh, actually, I was watching, you know, Hogan's Heroes at home uh, at that on uh, that day. Very, very, very painful. But remember what we talked about about feeling the pain. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Feel the pain. So that you go, I never want to do that again. The worst was going back to Lisa. Because those stakes were higher. She was my girlfriend. I didn't want to lose my girlfriend. I had to go tell her. Oh, it was so brutal. Oh. The Bible says it this way. Confess your sins to one another that you may be what? Healed. You want to be healed from telling false things? Confess your sins to one another. 
fess up. Get it out in the light because the enemy wants to keep you isolated and he wants you to be in darkness. If you have a hard time at school telling stories to kind of make yourself look good, just stop it right now. You got to go to those people. It's very difficult. Your true friends will stay with you. And maybe they don't. But if you want to be healed, confess your sins to one another. That, that was a huge part in my life. A huge part. And now I try and do it as early as possible. Like, I'll be telling a story, and I'll be getting all into it, and I'll start to exaggerate, and I'll go, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. Let me rephrase that. I can only bench 50 pounds. <laughs> I know I said 500, but I meant 50. No, I'm kidding. Right? Correct past failures. And correct your failures quickly. When you're telling stories, when you're... Did you do that report? Yeah, I did it. You know what? No, I did not do that. People will respect you for it, and it will break the chains that line has. Second, listen to the truth. Listen to the truth. Surround yourself with truthful people. It says this in Proverbs 21, 28, A false witness will perish, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. You ever know those people who make very truthful statements? They're very honest. I mean, look at... Look at uh, George Washington. I did not... Who knows if the story is really true. It has to be, right? I mean, it's part of our American history. I did not chop down the cherry tree. We've been telling that story for years. Truth lasts. Truth lasts. Listen to the truth. Surround yourself. Now, one of the biggest ways you're going to hear the truth is from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't like hearing the truth. If your friend comes to you and says, Man, you know what? That behavior is destructive. What? Well, your behavior is destructive. You're, you're the one who does it too. Right? That makes us feel uncomfortable. The truth is uncomfortable. But if we get used to being able to hear the truth about ourselves and about uh, what's in the Scripture and be able to apply it, it becomes a lot easier to speak the truth because we know it heals. We know it restores. We know it builds each other up. Kai was talking... Uh, Uh, a great message about calling out and calling up. When you call somebody out and say, you know what, you're blowing it. Being able to hear that and receive the truth develops integrity that then you're able to speak it because you're not so sensitive. You're not so worried about being sensitive. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. As Jesus is talking about the disciples remembering what Jesus did, but he's the spirit of truth. That doesn't change for all time. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, listen, it's the truth. It might be hard to hear, but it's the truth. We have to be able to listen to it. It helps us establish integrity. Third, establish a pattern of honesty. I want us to read a section of Scripture. It's fairly long. It's five verses. But it's pretty easy to to grasp. Psalm 15, verse 2. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander in his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Whew! That's good stuff. Who lends his money without usury, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. 
That right there is a pattern of honesty. You see as it touches all the different parts of, their li- of that person's life, the person who walks like that. And the scripture is implying that it can be done, which is so fantastic. He who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Establish a pattern of honesty. So, how do we do that? Well, we begin to go where Jesus went, to our heart. And we go, oh man, I just said that. Why? Why did I say it that way? We begin to get introspective and say, Lord God, why? Why did I say it that way? Why was I not completely honest? And we begin to correct it. Little things. If you are faithful and little in your in your truthfulness, this is developing a pattern. Begin with just the small stuff. You tell somebody you're going to do something, you follow through. You begin to get this pattern. It will develop and grow. If you're faithful and little, you will be faithful and much. Because you'll begin to see very small uh, in very small ways how God follows through on His end. Establish a pattern of honesty. Number four. Value integrity more than image. Value integrity more than image. What's my motive? Why, why was I lying to my friends? Well, really, ultimately, it was, it was uh, fear and insecurity. But one step up from that is I wanted to look good. I wanted to look good. I didn't value integrity. I valued my image. I valued how I'd look. And this happens all the time when we're in, uh, in our workplace or at school. We don't really want to say, no, I didn't do it. Because what does that do? It makes you look bad. And so we trade in integrity to look good for just a little bit. I know I've done it. I've had clients call me on the phone before and go, hey, did you guys end up shipping that thing? I'm quickly on like UPS.com. Yeah, we did. I figure if I do it right away, it's not lying. <laughs> right, did you did you follow through with that with that bid? Yes, I really did mean to do that. <laughs> right? You got to just catch it right away. You got to value integrity more than image. Why? Because God values integrity. We go back to that first one. God demands integrity, and God doesn't demand anything that we can't do, that He's not going to help us with. So we need to value it. See, sometimes we use statistics, and what if I told you, yeah, uh, you know, if I was a pastor and I said, yeah, since I've become pastor, our church has grown uh, 100% each year. Wow. Now, the fact that I started with two people. Uh, I leave that out. Uh, Am I lying? No. But what's in my heart? Deception. I want to deceive. I want to make it look good. That's something that touches on us all the time. When we value integrity, we go, yeah, you know what? Only two people are going to my church. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but we have six now, so that's cool. (laughs) What, what What does the Lord care? But we do this all the time. Even pastors do it. Believe me. We have to be able to feel the pain. Value integrity more than image. I might lose my job. My boss told me to say he's not in the office. And if I say he's in the office, you guys are going to use that closing your eyes thing. Gosh darn it, I shouldn't have said that. Don't use that. Yeah, Lisa's like, don't tell him that. I trust you won't do that. Well, you know what? Listen to the Spirit of God, whatever he says to you. Um, 
I might lose my job. This is what Proverbs 28, 6 says. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. God says, I don't care how poor or rich you are. Walk in integrity. But it might, it might cost me that promotion. Walk in integrity. It doesn't matter. I don't want anyone to know what I've done. If they ask, I don't want them to know. Proverbs 10.9 He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. See, when you lie, when I lie or I deceive, the enemy has a vested interest in exposing us. The enemy knows we're lying, and he has a vested interest in pointing the finger and going, oh, look at this guy. Why? Because it brings us shame. It isolates us. It draws us away from the Lord. But it also totally discredits our witness. So not only when we lie do we have the Lord upset, going, will you just trust me for crying out loud? I don't know that he says for crying out loud. But he says, will you just trust me? That's, that's bad enough. But on the flip side, we got the enemy going, hot diggity. This is going to be great. And one of them should get us to go, wow, I don't really want to do that. We've got to value integrity. Value it. It's cherished. And he who walks in integrity walks security. Fifth, understand the root of dishonesty. The root of dishonesty is fear. It's fear. We don't either want to look bad. We don't want the repercussions Right? When you're on the cell phone going, I'll be there in five minutes. Why do we say that? Because it's really uncomfortable and we're scared that when we say, we're gonna, I'm going to be there in a half an hour, they're going to go, you know, you're always late. Why don't you, you know? Right? Isn't that what if it's fear? We, we, we maybe meet somebody cute, unmarried people, and, um, and they're asking us questions about our past or whatever, and... Oh, man, if I tell them the truth, they're not going to like me. And then what happens? Then I'll never get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. By the way, I was asked by a few parents to make this disclaimer to the youth that I made up, I told, I didn't make up, I told the very true story about uh, Lisa and I meeting in high school, and some parents wanted me to explain that it's highly unlikely that that will happen for you. So don't think that the first person you meet in high school is going to be your lifelong partner and it's going to be a great relationship, okay? So uh, there, now I've said it. Uh, however, if that's what you came away with from the message, you need to listen to it again because that w- was not what I was saying. But, if, you know, we get scared. If they know everything about me, they're, gonna, they're not going to want to go out with me. Or in a resume, if they know everything I've done that I, I had... 10 jobs in the last 10 months. They're not going to hire me. Where's our trust? We have to understand the root of dishonesty because here's what happens. It becomes really great when we go, man, why did I say it that way? Well, what am I scared of? We start asking, not why did I lie, but what am I scared of? Did you do the report? Yeah, I I did it. What was I scared of? I was scared that if I said I didn't do the report, he'd yell at me. Okay. I'd get fired. Okay. Is the Lord still on the throne? See, we're going backwards getting down into the heart. What? I've asked this question many times. What is deficient in my relationship with God that I can't trust him to speak the truth? 
What am I lacking in my relationship with God where I say, oh man, but I'm going to get fired. God's not going to take care of you? Is that what's lacking? You don't feel like God's going to take care of you? Oh, they won't like me. Is it that you don't think God's going to get you a mate? See what I'm saying? What What is it that God's not supplying? Because that is the heart issue. That's the root of us speaking the truth. It's fear. We are in love. We are